0: You realize if you choose this food instead of this food, you're helping animals, you're reducing suffering in this world, you're improving your health and reducing your risk for cancer and heart attack and stroke, all by a simple choice. How easy is that? And that those choices are so much better today, the burgers, the pizzas, it's so easy to make the transition now compared to 33 years ago.
1: Welcome to the Plant-Based Entrepreneur Show with your host, Jerry Saver. Hey, welcome. This is Jerry Saver and you're listening to episode 47 of the Plant-Based Entrepreneur Show, a podcast about the people creating a plant-based future and running vegan brands where you can get inspired, learn how they got to where they are, what's their approach and what works when you're setting up your own plant-based business. If this is your first time listening, you can find all the episodes of the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher Radio, and if you're a regular listener and if you like what you're hearing, please consider leaving us a review and share this with your friends so we can continue to reach and inspire even more people. I hope you had a great end of the year, and I hope you had time both to enjoy the celebrations and to reflect on what you've accomplished in 2017 and plan how you're going to make this year even more amazing. Now, onward to this week's interview. To kick off 2018, I'm talking today to Jeff Palmer. Jeff is a vegan of 32 years, a two-time bodybuilding champion in natural bodybuilding masterclass competitions, an expert in natural nutrition, an entrepreneur, inventor, and founder of Clean Machine Vegan Supplements. So that's right, we'll be exploring the plant-based supplements industry today, as well as what sets Clean Machine apart from other products in this space. But Jeff, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you for having me and uh, it's an honor and privilege to be here. I really love what you're doing and bringing to light some some very uh, creative and entrepreneurial companies that are out there promoting vegan lifestyle. love what you're doing for the community.
1: Well, um, the feeling's mutual because've I've been hearing good things about clean machine and I'm really excited to learn more about it. But before we go into that, do you mind if we spend some time just talking about you? Because, well, first of all, anyone who's been vegan for 32 years definitely deserves mad respect for that alone. And, well, I would really like to know more about what made you do this and um, what set you on this path.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think you'll better understand you know, where my business comes from, why I choose the business I did by understanding where I came from, since it's a very personal experience for me.
1: Cool. How how far back do we need to go, actually? Like, where, where and how did you grow up? <laughs>
0: yeah, so uh, I grew up in a family of uh, six. Uh, my father was an English professor and my mother was a psychologist. So I grew up in academia and my specialty was, was biology. I had always been amazed by science and nature. And Jacques Cousteau was my hero growing up as a child and loved the undersea world. I thought I was going to grow up to be a marine biologist. But when I started getting into biology, one of the most amazing animals that we studied was the human being. The incredible ways the, the brain works, the physiology. And then I started getting into Well, what makes all of that work? And it really boiled down to exercise and nutrition. And in high school, I uh, got onto the swim team, just like my two brothers before me, and went on to win uh, district records and really understood at that point how important nutrition was to exercise and performance. But I also watched my body go through a lot of changes at that point. It's when I picked up weightlifting and working out, and I saw what was what was happening, and I felt what was happening to my body. But in my studies in college, too, I also learned how important that was to our mood and health. But coming from a very compassionate upbringing and a very peaceful family, I'd struggled getting into the real world, so to speak. And finding out how much there were takers in the world, people who were willing to cheat and lie and, you know, benefit at the cost of others. And I I really struggled with it. I did not see how a compassionate, caring person fit in this world that seemed to be all about taking and and greed. And and I saw what we were doing to the planet and um, the animals, and it just... I was like, do I really want to be a part of this? It was a deeply personal struggle with me, and it sent me into very dark places. Both of my parents passed at an early age, and that added to my depression to the point where I was ready to step out of life and uh, attempted twice to take my own life. The depression was so deep. And I knew after the second attempt failed and I was revived. I really asked myself, do I want to stay? And if I do, I've got to find a way to be able to live life functionally, be happy in life. And I was in a bar, drinking myself away again, as usual. And uh, a woman walked in, and she was exceedingly happy. So I just walked straight up to her, and I said, what do you got? How do I get like you? I want to be happy. (laughs) And she said, let me introduce you to someone. And of course being brought up by a father who was an existentialist and a mother who was a psychologist I was very skeptical and being very depressed I was bitter and untrusting of anything being real happiness and he actually you know when we got to his place he opened the door and I looked at him and he looked right back at me and he said oh you came here to prove me wrong I was so taken aback by that comment I felt literally naked standing in front of him. He could see things in me that I wasn't even speaking about. So I said, okay, let's go. I'm, I'm open. I'm, I'm ready to check out anyway. So why not give this a try? And he got me to use a simple phrase of how I created the separation between myself and others through my own actions. And and at that time I was fighting it and I kept, I kept, he said, just just say this one phrase back to me. I created a separation between my father and myself because my father had just passed away and had really taken a toll on me. And my father died of alcoholism. And I was really angry at him for, for leaving me and for leaving me without a father, especially in my formative years when I was stepping out into the world and I really needed some some feedback, some guidance. And... I kept talking about the things that he did to me. And he goes, no, no, no. How did you create that separation? And I kept talking myself back. And it seemed like the world just disappeared and I was left with my responsibility for that emotion. And when I finally accepted it, I just burst out into tears and so much pain poured out of me at that moment. And I realized it was my judgment of my father and basically my judgment of everyone else around me it was keeping me from loving it was keeping me from loving my father which i needed to do i was stifling my own love my own compassion <laughs> and it was me and when i let that out oh my god i felt so high i felt so much joy just pouring out of me i couldn't sleep i was flying high i was buzzing i felt like i had did every drug in the book all at once that could make you happy and I'd never experienced anything like that before. And I sat at home and I meditated all night and I meditated on one thing. I felt so eternally grateful for being released from my own pain. And through my meditation that night, all the way to the mornings, I said, how can I give this gift back? My voice said to me, stop hurting others. Stop harming animals. And it's just like, how come I never saw that before? <laughs> and I'm sure a lot of vegans, you know, in first becoming vegan, when that light bulb turns on, that's a lot of what I hear is, how come I didn't see this before? You know, it seems so obvious. It seems just like, God, that's such a beautiful thing. Why, why did I not get that before? And the answer for me, at least in my case, was that I wasn't letting that type of love out I was blocking my own love. And and when I uh, opened that door, I was like, wow, I felt so connected to everything, including the animals. And I went vegan that day. And I've never looked back. I committed the rest of my life to doing whatever I could to help others turn that light bulb on, too.
1: And was there any foundation for that? Because the the way you describe it is it's almost like you had this life-changing epiphany of a sort and um i wanted to ask was there any foundation for for vegetarianism before were you looking into it i mean i know that you were interested in, in nutrition before but were you actually considering veganism or was yeah, this there, all lots done in of, of reasons just to go vegetarian and lots of,
0: of different meditation? ways that people become vegetarian for different reasons. This was mine, no no right or wrong, and I'm not suggesting that anybody else does it, but yeah, I, I searched for my experience because it was, it was so profoundly life-changing and so instantaneous. Um, I found this word, it's a Greek word called metanoia, um, meta meaning change and noia meaning life, and that's what it really was for me. It was a change of life. What happened was my whole world view just shifted on its axis. I went from feeling alone and not wanting to be in this world to realizing I didn't come here to get anything. I came here to give and I have something to give. And now I had purpose and a reason to be here. And it wasn't to see what I could get out of this world what other people could do or what other experiences I, I came here because I have a gift that was given me and I want to pass that forward because it gave me a lot of joy and that just just changed the whole way I felt like I was in this world um, a complete worldview shift
1: yeah it, um, it definitely sounds like you went zero to vegan just <laughs> overnight <laughs> yeah. um, but how you know um, i really like talking to people who've been vegan for for so long because for you this was in in the early 80s so um how did that decision to to stop harming animals affect your your everyday life like after that one night of meditation when you stepped out of the house what what did that mean in practical terms
0: <laughs> it threw everything upside down. I mean, remember, I was coming from a depressive life, so I surrounded my friends with you know, drinkers and drug users and people who are also depressed because we we're like-minded. We commiserated. I realized I had to change everything. I went home, and my refrigerator's full of animal products and crap. It was using to you know, dull my feelings and kill myself, basically. It was dietary suicide and i just it fell away i didn't want any of that anymore i didn't want to surround myself so i had to find new friends i had to find new things to read new ways to to learn i it was like starting over from scratch it really was but i knew i wasn't going to let that change me you know i wasn't going to fall back into habits just because they're familiar i knew that this was much more important and yes it was painful and lonely at times when I didn't have anybody to talk to about veganism, when, when I turned vegan 32 years ago, remember there was no internet back then. There was no cell phones. There were there were no movies or documentaries. I felt very alone. You know, I was like, okay, I came to this greatest you know thing. This makes me feel so good about what I'm doing, and everybody's looking at me like, you know, I'm from another planet. So it was difficult, but I was 100% committed no matter what. So I took the time and I've learned and I studied and I asked people questions and I did whatever it took to try to find out, okay, how do I do this? <laughs> Remember, that was tofu and grains and beans. And that was, that was the extent of uh, vegetarian options too back then. And there were no, no vegetarian restaurants that I knew of at least, not least on purpose. So it was very challenging back then. But I was 100% committed so it was a challenge in making it happen there was no challenge internally for me I was 100% sold on this is the life I'm going to live for the rest of my life
1: yeah um, I mean when when you have that kind of driving force within you I I don't think there's anything in the world that that could stop you but um okay so you know you you said you you started bodybuilding in in So um, were you doing that when you made this transition to, to veganism? I mean, how does bodybuilding tie into all of that?
0: Yeah, so it's, it's kind of amazing that um, through swimming, of course, I started working out and lifting weights to strengthen my swimming and better my swimming times. But after after college, when I realized, okay, the difference between me and the top swimmers out there was significant, and I wasn't going to get there. It was just a matter of genetics. I said, "Okay," but I still like exercise. I still like the way it feels, and I like the way it looks on me. I like feeling fit and healthy. So I stayed with working out for, you know, probably twenty years, and I kept hearing comments like, "Wow, are you, are you using steroids or something?" And I'm like. Ah. I haven't haven't touched a single drug, not even a pharmaceutical prescription drug in in 20 years. And and they're like, how do you get like that? And then then when I tell them my diet, they're like, no way. It kind of quickly dawned on me, like, well, wait a minute. I have a gift here, you know? I have a way of initiating conversation with people to show people, hey, you can look like that on a vegan diet, a long-term vegan diet. And I think that's a great conversation starter. So I really said, all right, well, well, that's my thing. You know, I was an activist at times. Some people write books. Some people make movies. You know, whatever it is that is your thing, do it. But find your thing and embrace it in a way that can help you propel the movement forward. So I realized, look, I wanted to keep exercising regardless. And I was achieving levels of fitness with veganism that I wasn't able to do. And here I am in now 50, almost 55 years old. I'm turning 55 next month. And I'm still competing at my age and winning shows. And that's exciting. And I, you know, I just walked through the grocery store you know, right before coming on this interview and people stopped me. And how, how do you get like that? And, and then see, I'm wearing a vegan shirt. So, uh, you know, it's an instant conversation starter. So I, I let my body be That conversation piece that gets people to ask, How do you get like that? Because that's how my journey started. I saw somebody who was happy and I said, How did you get like that? I want that. And I think a lot of people want health and fitness and don't understand or buy into the oldness that you have to eat meat or do whey protein in order to get physically strong and healthy and fit. And I'm living proof that's not the case. You know, after almost 33 years veganism and still competing at 55 years of age when many of my friends and people my age are suffering from disease states i'm in deep fitness and i'm completely disease free and and pharmaceutical medicine free too as well
1: yeah that's the way and and the meat use that's one of the myths that just refuses to die but um what was it like for for plant-based nutrition and bodybuilding when you were starting out because obviously these days we have well we have tons of information we have you and other athletes who are showing that this is very much possible but back then what what were some of the things that you were hearing when you were at the gym working out and talking to people who knew that you only ate plants
0: yeah you know Times have changed a lot since now, and 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 vegan is is far more accepted, and there's a lot more awareness about veganism. There's a lot more athletes that are now vegan. There are even there's a whole lot of celebrities out there and top athletes, and and almost every major sport, from the Olympics to football to baseball to even boxing and fighting, veganism's sprouting up everywhere. So it's much more accepted and commonplace that these things can be achieved. But back then. You know, when I said I was vegan, people would just, they were convinced I was lying. That was impossible. If I'm like, what do you mean? I'm, I'm living this life. I have no reason to like you. You know, what does it serve me? And many people would even get angry with me as if I was threatening their lifestyle. Like saying simply that I got this fitness level because I'm eating nothing but plants, that somehow that they were wrong in what they were doing. and. It was rough back then. Um, I know some people still experience those types of experiences today, but we've come quite a long way in the socialization of veganism. The awareness of it, um, as well as the acceptance of it, has come a long way. But I still see on social media uh, the comments of, but, but bacon, though, in really ignorant comments like that, that it is nothing but an emotional knee-jerk response and defensiveness. It's pure defensiveness. It's psychology 101 defensiveness.
1: I think that's that's the thing, that the acceptance of veganism and simply the acceptance of the fact that you can be vegan and, and still perform at extremely high levels have really gone up. So in everyday life, Or in sports, of course, you're less likely to run into such people. But on the other hand, social media has opened up the communication space. So even though this kind of people are rarer now, they can get their platform on Instagram or Facebook and still make their insults hurt. But I think there's a lot fewer of them now.
0: Well, and and I give lectures all over the country right now to really explain. And and one of the, obviously, the most common question asked of any vegan is where do you get your protein? And, you know, I'm like, is is that made of protein? What's got to come from someplace if I'm vegan for 33 years? But the simple question, when I get into these lecture places, and, of course, there's a lot of non-vegans or vegans that have uh, spouses with them that are not vegan. And they're listening just to, you know, this. And then I say, okay, well, let's answer that question. Where do we get our protein? And there's only one accurate answer. Because all protein, all essential amino acids on this planet come from one place and only one place. And that is plants. Plants are the only beings on this planet that can make essential amino acids. They make it out of sun and glucose and photosynthesis. Animals cannot make protein. They have to consume it. That's why we call them essential amino acids because we have to get them from outside sources, outside our bodies. Humans and all animals cannot make protein. It's an impossibility. all protein originates from plants. So think about it, that any animal that you are eating got its protein from plants. That's like you killing that animal to get its plant protein is like me killing you to steal the money that you made. Well, that's exactly what we're doing to the animals. They're getting their protein from plants, and then we're killing them to steal their plant protein from their body. We don't need to do that. You don't need to run plant protein through an animal. You can get it directly through the source and not harm the animal at all. There's absolutely no reason to get protein or essential fatty acids, which are also made by plants. Not fish, hard to believe, I know. Fish don't make fatty acids either. They get it from algae. All these things come from plants, all, most of the micronutrients. Where do we get them from? Plants, vitamins and minerals. Plants, antioxidants. Plants. This is the source of all nutrition. How about the air you're breathing right now? Plants. That's right. Animals produce carbon dioxide. Plants produce the oxygen. So everything that we breathe, every nutrient that makes up our body, every protein, all of our essential fatty acids, all come from plants. Why are we not getting them directly from the source? It's so incredibly inefficient to cycle them through an animal, then kill the animal, and steal those plant nutrients from the animal. Why do that? It does not make sense.
1: Yeah, that's one statement I totally agree with. And if we look at just the the energy conversion of how many calories we need to supply to an animal to get one calorie of meat or eggs or or milk it's just ridiculous
0: it's a horrible and if you are a business person and as you should be as an entrepreneurial site every business person knows that there's higher profitability and efficiency so you can be much more profitable your body can profit from all the nutrients direct from the source how many businesses have you seen out there saying "direct from the vendor"? Exactly, direct from the source, direct from the manufacturer, and it saves you money because there's no middleman. We'll take out the meat middleman and get it direct from the source. Just like businesses have figured out are more efficient and more profitable, it's the same for you know our environment.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm glad you're bringing up business because I think it's about time that we start talking about that. I I know that right now. You're speaking from years, decades of experience in in the industry. But how did you actually get involved with that, with nutrition?
0: Originally, um, back then, the the only place to get vegetarian foods and and, uh, vegan options were from health food stores. And and mostly back then, it was mom and pop health food stores. So I started out there and uh, I found it was a place where I could get discounts so that I could get cheaper food. But I also, I put myself in a work hub of things that I really cared about. Remember, I was, I was a biopsych major in college. So I was looking at how physiology, our body's nutrition and exercise and physiology affected our mood and behavior. And I, I found the same experience. When we improved uh, the health of our bodies, our mood and our brain function changed because we're a whole organ. We're a whole organism. So, it just made sense to me, from a business aspect, well, why not just make a business out of that? Why not do what I love what I care about most? So, I grew through the industry, and as I grew, I was obviously working with companies that weren't vegan because there weren't a whole lot of vegan companies, especially back when I started. But through that work, I gained a lot of experience I was almost thirty years in the nutrition industry, and as my Goals and fitness became more and more a part of my life. So did fitness nutrition. And I said, you know, there's got to be a way to show people that there are good supplements, good nutrition out there that are completely vegan, that are natural, and work in harmony with the systems in our body to get them the best results possible. So I really started researching that on my own and started to try to develop these products for other companies, but they were turned down. And I said, well, this is really what I want to do. I want to help people improve their health and do it without harming the environment, without harming the animals, and without harming their own body. You know, I stood in vitamin shop when I worked for them at corporate office. I'm standing there and I see half of the products in there promote health. And the other half are these sports nutrition products that have pictures of steroid using bodybuilders are loaded with dangerous chemicals and artificial colors and flavors and even the things that were causing death in people, uh, dangerous, uh, you know, God for sake, there's just even um, methyl amphetamines in them and stuff. And I'm like, when did fitness go off on this bizarre tangent? <laughs> That's not fitness. And I said, somebody's got to bring fitness back together with health and nutrition. those are the two parts of the whole. Our health requires nutrition and exercise. Our body functions best when those two work together in harmony. And there's got to be other people out there like me that really want something to help them reach their fitness goals easier, sooner, and better, but do it in a natural way that's supportive of our body and health-promoting to our bodies. And do it without harming the environment or the animals. And I said, all right, well, stop wishing for it and go do it. And my wife just said, let's go for it. And she got me to stop complaining and get up and form the machine.
1: So the original idea was all natural vegan.
0: Right from day one. Yep. 100% natural, 100% vegan. All of our products are non-GMO, gluten-free, all natural, and third-party certified vegan. And that's my commitment to every single product we we launch.
1: When was the first product launched, actually?
0: So that was five years ago in July.
1: Five years ago, July?
0: Yeah, so four and a half years ago. And we started out with just one product. And we've grown it from there. And I've really seen the movement grow. And so I had three big goals in forming this. One was to find a plant-based replacement for two of the most destructive categories in the nutrition category, specifically sports nutrition, but nutrition overall, and that was fish oil and whey protein. I said we've gotta I've gotta find a replacement for these two. Uh, we've we've wiped out almost 50% of all the life in the ocean already, just in the last 40 years. At, at this pace we're going to cause the sixth mass extinction of all life in, in the oceans. And, and when we do that, we run the potential of not only all the fish and, and sea life being wiped out, but when they go, since they eat the plant life, the plants could overbloom and wipe themselves out. If the plant life goes in the ocean, up to 80% of the oxygen that you and I are breathing right now comes from plant life in the ocean. If the fish go, the plants could go. If the plants go, we go. And we're talking 20 to 30 years we could be wiping out life on this planet as we know it. That's got to
1: stop. Yeah, I don't think there are any coulds around that. I mean, if we do that to the ocean, the chain reaction will be triggered. So that's a certainty.
0: It'll be unstoppable if we tip that balance too far. And we're teetering. We're within our lifetimes, of seeing that happen. And if we don't make some drastic changes now, and one of those has got to be, we need a good, solid, land-based alternative of omega-3s for human beings to consume. And I was fortunate to to find a company who had an amazingly breakthrough product. Actually, it won the next few awards, the top supplement award in the United States. For the best supplement out of all supplements launched in 2016 is a plant called Ahiflower. flour. The first published human study released showed it was 400% more effective than flax, beating chia and hemp and any other source of plant-based omega on the planet. So we now really had a, with the latest study that just came out, it actually showed that ahi flour as an anti-inflammatory and immune boosting as marine oils or fish oils. That's the first plant ever shown to do that in a published human study. That's powerful. I mean, when you've got something that's clinically proven four times more effective than any other plant and can be as comparable to fish oil, we now have a true solution and replacement for fish oil. I'm passionate about it, and that's why I'm really spearheading. I was the very first sports nutrition company in the world to bring it to market. And the second product I found was even a bigger blessing to me because it has even greater potential if there is such a thing (laughs) as saving uh, all life on this planet. But it's a water plant called lentine, more commonly called water lentils. This water plant, it it grows on the surface of the water. Some people locally call it duckweed. um, But it is the highest in essential amino acids and branched-chain amino acids than any plant ever discovered in the world, even soy. Not only that, it is the highest in nutrient density, higher than kale or spinach, spirulina, chlorella, even moringa, the most nutrient-dense plant we know of right now. That's a gift of nature. And if that wasn't cool enough, it supplies 40% of your omega-3s in a single serving. This plant is so incredible. It produces protein faster than any plant we've ever found, including bamboo. It grows from a spore to a full-grown plant in 48 hours, two days. You can harvest this plant 365 days a year. Do you realize how much less cropland that is? When you're harvesting corn or, or oats or something for only part of the year, you have to have huge amounts of land in order to provide. When you're harvesting 365 days out of the year, you can reduce that land size. 98% of the water used in growing this actually is pressed and returned back to the tank. It's a near zero carbon footprint. The World Health Organization said it's the most environmentally friendly food crop ever grown. And the world's most complete whole food source. I mean, that's just amazing that we can yield 10 to 100 times more protein per square foot than any other product on the market, plants or animal. This is a huge breakthrough, especially for vegans looking to find that nutrition. Higher in branch change would stimulate muscle growth, higher in essential amino acids, the foundations of muscle growth, than any other plant. Not only that, the amazing amounts of nutrition, one of the highest sources of, of lutein, one of the phytochemicals, carotenoids that not only helps protect your eyes, but also helps protect your brains. We now know that our brains actually suck up lutein and store it in the brain because it helps prevent against aging diseases like Alzheimer's and just incredible plant. The antioxidants are on, off the chart, the polyphenols. This is a super plant of super plants. And I feel so blessed to be the very first company in the world to introduce this plant the public.
1: So what you're saying is that we've been sitting on this gold mine literally. <laughs> Has it been used for food in anywhere else in any other cultures? Or is this something that we're just now discovering? <laughs> you know,
0: when we put the video up, we had over a hundred thousand views in, in just a very short period of time. And most of the comments were, how is this possible? How come we, if this is so great, how come we didn't know about it? Until now? And to be honest, the discovery was accidental. It was a weed. We call it duckweed. We've been trying to kill it for 50 years, the last 50 years. Yeah. And until a, a company that was looking at it for a biofuel actually did some analysis, nutritional analysis, on it, and they said, Whoa, forget the biofuel, this is fuel for humans. This is the most nutrient-dense land we've ever seen. And the ecological impacts are enormous. I mean, you could basically, on a small plot of land with enough water, just a few inches of water to grow this, it self-spores, so you never need to replant it. You can have a continuous source of nutrition with all your protein, 40% of your omega-3s and and almost all of your micronutrients and basically eat forever, (laughs) wherever you're growing it.
1: How calorie-dense is this compared to, because, you know, the thing with greens is that they're very nutrient-dense, but if you wanted to live on them, you would have to really eat a lot of them. So how calorie-dense is this one?
0: Yeah, and that's a good point because it is zero sugar and only 10 carbohydrates to 20 grams of protein. So it is uh, low in carbohydrates. And, and yes, like just other greens like spinach or kale or whatever, if you're, you can't solely live on those because you definitely, you might want to look for a more inclusive um, a carbohydrate source like beans and grains and things like that or fruits for sure. I'm a big advocate of fruits. So putting a scoop of the protein, of the clean green protein with lintine in with uh, a couple of bananas and a smoothie and you've got almost everything the body needs in, in one of the most detoxifying, cleansing, healing, nutritive shakes you can possibly drink.
1: And you're saying you're actually the first company to be using this as, as a food source? Do you, do you have your own farm and production as well? If if that's not a company secret, of course, where's your linting come from?
0: Yeah, so you know, it's, it's bizarre that water lentils are grown on the f- surface of freshwater lakes and ponds all, all over the world. They're almost on every continent, uh, except Antarctica, of course. But um, it's ubiquitous. They're all over the place. But you know, nobody has really figured out a way to make them one palatable, taste good and two, make sure that they're safe for human consumption because you have to kill the bacteria in them, obviously. There was one company that has spearheaded this project, a company called Parabell. and thank you, Parabell, for partnering with us and allowing us to be the first company to offer this to the world. I um, feel very blessed for that uh, opportunity. But, yeah, it, it, it has been eaten by some indigenous peoples. You can actually lift it right out of a pond and eat it as a salad you can dry it and uh, sprinkle it over foods for nutrient addition but you do you know you do have to con- be concerned about the water that it's growing on which is why specifically these are grown on man-made ponds so that the what's in the water that they're growing on is very carefully monitored to make sure there's no contaminants or pollutants in the water so that you're getting a clean healthy product grown on fresh water and with the proper nutrients to feed it a- instead of just some pond, which there may be dumping air, sewage, or whatever in it, and you don't know about. So for this reason, it's grown on man-made ponds. Because it grows so quickly and self-spores, it can be continuously pulled off the pond. And it goes from pond to powder within 40 minutes. That's about as farm-to-table fresh as it gets. It's the whole plant, so all they do is squeeze the water out of it. It's uh, flash-steamed, To kill the uh, bad microbes, any bad bacteria that might be in it. But also, in flash steaming it just for a few seconds, it actually neutralizes most of the oxalic acid, which can be a problem for some people and definitely can be uh, an anti nutrient, inhibit some of the nutrient absorption, much like you see in spinach or kale or some of the other dark greens. So, this way, you're getting more of the nutrient uh, available, you're making sure it's safe for human consumption. Then it's cold pressed and low heat dried and powderized. And that's it. The whole plant. Most of the plant proteins that are out on the market are isolated proteins. They strip out just the protein, mostly about 80% protein or 50 to 80% protein and take out all the good stuff. This has 28% of your fiber, 40% of your omega-3s, you know, 35% of your calcium, 38% of your iron. This thing is just loaded. It's got almost everything you need besides some sunshine and D12 to really live a healthy lifestyle. It's just a phenomenal plan.
1: Yeah. The the way that you're talking about this, it makes me wonder how, how much research do you do in-house as well? Are you the main R&D guy for clean machine as well?
0: Yeah. So one of the toughest things about this was keeping a lid on this because I was, in touch with this company back when it was just researched they hadn't built any aqua farms yet the first aqua farm is built right here in florida in melbourne florida and so it's grown um, uh, and they're working on organic certification for it now so soon we'll hopefully have some organic certified product too as well but uh, it's grown without uh, any of the the chemical fertilizers or pesticides or things like that. It really doesn't need to. It's such a hardy plant. There's no need for it anyway. Um, I worked with this company for almost a year and a half before getting this product to market. I watched as they developed it. I watched as they did bin samples. I worked with flavor houses. I worked with five different flavor houses to try to get this flavor system right so this would actually be a good-tasting product. Because, look, I'm one of those type of people that when I find out how nutritious this is, how good it is for the environment and the animals, I'm like, sold. I don't care what it tastes like. I'll drink it down. But I wanted more people to be able to drink this and say, I can give this to my kids. It's so good. Because I want this nutrition to be available to as many people as possible. So it took me over six months to get this flavor system right. And, of course, I had the parameters that it had to be all natural, no chemical flavor systems. It had to be non-GMO, gluten-free. And of course, everything in our products is third-party certified vegan. So it was difficult. When you're using natural flavor systems, it's much more difficult to reach what people's expectations are because they've been downing chemical drinks that make everything taste wonderful. But I don't want those chemicals in our products. And I don't know a lot of people don't want those chemicals in their body. So for a year and a half, I sat quiet knowing how incredible this invention was, but couldn't tell anybody. And that was brutal for me. I so wanted to share the amazing secrets of this this plant gift. But I'm so glad I can do it now and here on your show. And, you know, since we've launched a couple of months, you can't stop me from talking about it.
1: Yeah, I can imagine that must have been tough, um, knowing what you got, but having to stay quiet about it until we launch it what was the reception like? Because obviously the market for vegan protein, it's also getting pretty saturated with not just soy, but hemp and rice and pea protein and all of that. How did this completely unknown super plant go over when, when you brought it out?
0: <laughs> yeah, well, of course, I, I'm sure our competition doesn't like it because they're all invested in pea and rice protein and isolated proteins and adding synthetic vitamins back to the protein because they've stripped it all out of the plant um, there are no vitamins added to our our product it is basically three ingredients besides the flavor system and sweetener which is the majority of the protein over 60 about 60% of the the powder in our product is lintene, the whole plant and then we add pea protein which is the only um Uh, protein grown, pea protein grown here in the United States. The the cleanest, most natural pea protein out there on the market. None of the cheap pea proteins that are grown in China and loaded with heavy metals and and all that stuff. And then uh, prohydrolase. Now, prohydrolase is an amazing enzyme. It's a vegan enzyme, but it actually breaks down the protein almost completely. Now, what that does is make more of the protein, the amino acids, available. So you can consume a lot less of our protein than you would somebody else's protein. And because you're getting more of the amino acids out of the protein and into your bloodstream where you can actually build muscle from. So I know it's strange to hear, but I actually encourage people to use less of our protein because you don't need to because you're getting it so much more efficiently with the prohydrolysis. The prohydrolase is so good at breaking down the proteins to usable, bioavailable form, it actually breaks down the peptides that cause gas and bloating. And for a lot of women out there, that's a big deal. For a lot of guys who are bodybuilders or athletes you are consuming a lot of protein, that gas is not fun. And if you want to step on stage, you don't want a poofed-out belly that's all full of gas and bloating. So we call ours, jokingly, the first heart-free protein on the market.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Now, considering how natural it is and um, that that you're going for certifications, what did that do for your cost of production?
0: Yeah, so our, our products are expensive. We're a smaller company. We're launching a product that takes a lot of education because, remember, when I first launched this product, not only did people where n- nobody was aware of it like lentils oh that's l- l- lentils i'm like no 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 this is a green plant that floats on the surface of the water there's nothing to do with it. they look like lentils if you took a green lentil and floated it on the surface of the water that's what it looks like a tiny little lily pad almost but it has nothing to do with a lentil family so it's uh, it's a little confusing to people and a lot of people assume that so there's a big education curve well most of the marketing companies, most of the major companies, all they, all they care about is the bottom line, profits, right? And that's not me. I care about people. I care about nutrition. I care about changing the way we gain our nutrition. And, and you know, they looked at it and said, oh, it's going to take too much education. We'll have to spend too much marketing dollars to educate people. I love doing that. I take pride in doing that. We don't have the money, but I go out and speak at any opportunity I can get. And thank you for giving me a platform to share this information as well, because I just really want to get this information out to people because we're not making a whole lot of money. It's costing us a lot more than and, than most of these other companies would ever spend on it. You know, They're run by shareholders that say, no way would we spend that much money on a product like that because it's too expensive. And And that's not where I come from. I'm gonna put it out there even, same with ahi flour. It's still only a handful of companies that have presented ahi flour to the market. And you know, to me, that's a shame that, that so many companies out there are driven so much by the bottom line and not caring about what goes into people's bodies. I'm out here to heal people. I'm out here to bring the best of nature uh, to, to the industry. Even if it takes me four years, five years, 10 years, to actually make a real living off of this, I'm going to keep doing what's right for the people, for the environment, for the animals, and for the nutrition. Because that's who I am, and that's the way I get to do it. It's my company, and I get to do it my way.
1: <laughs> that's the thing, because from what I understand, you you actually grew the company completely from from scratch. You didn't have any investments, any funding, any any loans. So as a lesson for others... What should you do or shouldn't do when you're bringing up a company like that?
0: Yes, managed growth. (laughs) I know it's a a used phrase, but it is so important, especially to startup-type companies like we were and have been for the last four years. We're self-funded. Myself and one partner just put in cash out of our own pockets to start the company, and we allowed the sales to pay for more products. And we're still doing that today. We're you know, 100% privately owned myself and my uh, good friend, Robert Kidry. And we founded the company and we've grown it and we've doubled in sales every year for the last three years straight. So we're seeing the growth, but we're doing it in a managed stage. We're using our funds to increase our inventory and marketing appropriately so that We grow in a managed way. Now, if we have proper investment from the proper partner out there, yes, we could grow a lot faster. And I would love to get this message out there to more people, get these products out to more people sooner through through marketing efforts and through being able to grow the company faster. But I'm okay with growing the company the way we are. We're doubling in size every year. That's great for me. That's great in most people's books. And we're doing it the right way. I I think when a lot of companies get early investment, one, they give up majority share of their companies, which can put them in a stressful place. And two, they don't get to make the decisions, the ethical decisions, the personal decisions that they'd like to steer the company, because then it becomes more about profits to pay the shareholders, to pay people who own the majority share of the company and it's rightful for them to expect a return on their investment everybody wants a return on your investment but that's my little bit of advice for others is grow first and then be able to go to when you're ready to seek investment if you want to seek investment and some some companies grow all the way and never take investment and sometimes it can take a lot longer and and, uh, but you can, you can borrow money from banks. You can get friends and family. There's other ways of supporting. There's fundraising sites out there too, um, that, that can help you grow your business. I'd strongly suggest that so that you can keep the integrity of the company. I really think there's a lot of consumers out there that are resonating with what we're doing. And there's other entrepreneurs out there who are taking the high road or saying, look, I, I want to do things the right way. And I'm not going to be all about the profits or the bottom line. I'm going to put out the best product I know how. And I, I love um, supporting vegan companies. Any vegan reseller that we sell to, we give our maximum discount to. Hey, if there's anybody out there who sells uh, nutritional supplements and would like to carry us, we will give you our maximum discount at any quantity that you want to purchase so that you can make more money and more of the profits go to you to help your business. Cause I want to support other vegan businesses out there too as well. So if you're a vegan owned and operated business and sell vegan products, let me know. Cause I'd love to help you and support your growth as
1: well. That's very, very generous of you, Jeff. And if anyone's interested, the, the contact details will be in the show notes. And I'm, I'm guessing that with, this approach you are getting quite a few distributors so um, what other things work for you in terms of marketing and sales apart from obviously going around and and talking about the benefits of this product
0: yeah so digital marketing so much of the sales are going to online Um, four years ago when we started about 90 to 95 percent of our sales were in retail Right now, about 20% of our sales are in retail. That's a, a, quite a dramatic shift. And the vast majority of those sales, are, or the rest of those sales, are coming from online. Uh, Amazon, obviously a big part of the business, and uh, other e-commerce sites, including our own. So there's been quite a shift in the marketplace. And with e-commerce, you can reach a lot more people quickly and inexpensively. Uh, through digital marketing campaigns. So to be honest, um, my strongest suggestion for any vegan companies, especially in startup or, or small phase growth, is to focus on digital marketing campaigns and Amazon strategy and and direct-to-consumer through your own websites. Have those three channels strong before you even consider going into retail so that's my best piece of advice. That's what's worked for us and, and helped us reach more people, increase our sales, double our sales every year and do it in a much more profitable fashion, which allows us to grow and uh, spend more on marketing too as well.
1: That's definitely one other thing that's, that's changed from a couple of decades ago that the way you can grow a business right now, almost single-handedly just using these, these channels and, Speaking of that so how many people do, do you have on your team doing this right now?
0: Yes we have five people on our team and uh, I also suggest that too which is find key players who share your vision and are willing to grow with you and that have the expertise that you need definitely uh, finding someone good in finance as a base finding someone to manage your sales and marketing, find someone who can handle your inner office stuff, uh, accounts payable, bookkeeping and stuff like that. When you can have those key bases played and developing good products yourself, outsource the manufacturing and outsource the shipping, then you really have little overhead as far as payroll. And you can run clean and lean.
1: Yeah, so your manufacturing and production and and the shipping they're they're outsourced right
0: correct yep absolutely um uh, saves on overhead Uh, you know we're not storing anything it's basically emails and phone calls and that's it and you can do that from home you can do it from any office anywhere Uh, you can do it from your phone for god's sake if you're traveling so it makes business going anywhere accessible and um if you've got a laptop and a cell phone, you've got all the tools you need to run a business, really, these days.
1: <laughs> yeah. On a more personal note, um, now that we're getting towards the end of this, how do you, as, as an entrepreneur, manage all of this? I mean, the professional side and on the personal side, just finding balance with all that you do.
0: Yeah. So, my wife actually works uh, in our business with me, and my wife and I don't have kids. So, that simplifies things dramatically for those of you who do have a family, balancing family life with your job life, especially as anybody who knows most entrepreneurs are 24 7. You're always your business when you are your business. So, finding ways to unload some of that workload by um, making hires that make the most sense, but also give you the trust that the work is going to be done with less on your plate. I know so many entrepreneurs who feel like, if I want it done right, I have to do it myself. You've got to get out of that think in order to grow because one person cannot handle the growth of a business in exponential terms. It's just not possible, and you'll run yourself into the ground, burn yourself out, and you'll lose your business
1: yeah i i wouldn't even call it a trap i i think it's one of the basic stepping stones that you need to to get past on your way to becoming an entrepreneur is this misguided idea that you need to take care of everything and do everything on yourself because it is your business
0: you can expect perfection but you've got to deal with the realities that sometimes good enough is okay to get you through the day and move on and keep going and keep your sanity.
1: Yeah, that's true. So how, how do you keep yours? I mean, that that's what I, <laughs> I was also trying to get at because it's just interesting to to hear the answers to that question. You know, what what keeps you sane when things get rough?
0: My wife. God bless her. <laughs> She is my rock, my foundation, my support. There were times where I was depressed and ready to quit. And she got me back in the ring and she's been by my side the whole way. I would not have this business without her. And when you have a strong supporting relationship, like I have my wife, I'm 33 year vegan and she's a 25 year vegan at least. And when you have so much in common your goals in common your passions in common and even when they're not quite uncommon because she's an artist and a dancer and a performer and and an amazing one at that she gave up some of that to help us achieve this dream and you know I'm forever grateful for that uh, for her sharing in my passion and we're on a goal to really help a lot of other people so we share in that and When you've got that in a partner, it's so much more powerful to get you through the hard times. Doing it alone is very tough. And look, if you don't have a a soulmate or partner sharing the path with you, even a friend or somebody who understands your business that you can bounce ideas off, or you know, even a consultant who can be there for you when you pick up the phone and say, "I'm stressed out. I'm not feeling this. I don't know where to go. How do I solve this?" Find those those people, those key people, and and keep them in your business life as well, because um, them being there can can not only save your business but save your own sanity too. Like you were talking about.
1: Yeah, I have to say that I completely relate to that because I'm I'm lucky enough to be married to an amazing woman like that <laughs> too. So um, yeah, I I really like that answer. <laughs> so, Jeff, to to wrap this up. Considering where you are and your experience, what new or upcoming products or trends in not not just the vegan bodybuilding space, but the entire vegan industry make you excited about the future?
0: Well, you know, we have an incredible team of athletes and to see, you know, and I, I really feel blessed to bring those athletes together. As, as part of Team Clean Machine to be shining examples out there. And I love what we're doing and helping people get healthy and inspiring them to go out there and represent and inspire other people. And, you know, whatever it is, whether it's writing a book or being a part of a movie or, or whatever, it's like do your passion and bring it to this movement because this movement needs leaders. It needs people um, who are going to inspire many more people and and it needs people because there's so many you know an interesting statistic that almost 80% of the vegans currently espousing themselves as vegans have become vegan within the last 2 years that's a huge explosion of this movement and there are a lot of people who are new to this and need guidance need help so for all of the rest of you out there who have been longer term vegans or who are well-read, share your information, be there for support for these people new coming into the movement, because there's a lot of questions. Where do you get your protein? Where do you get your omegas? How do I do this? Where do I shop? You know, is this really vegan? There's so many good sites out there like nutritionfacts.org and everything uh, Dr. Greger is doing is incredible. Uh, PETA is a great resource tool for education. Uh, Vegan outreach is doing amazing thing, reaching people on campus. There's so many good groups out there right now. Help them out if you want to get started. You know, join some of these groups or or volunteer or whatever. But uh, jump in and learn and learn as you go and share and grow and let's keep the fire burning on this movement because it's really building steam. And I'm I'm honored to be a part of it.
1: Yeah, it is building up steam, and I mean the. Growth has been exponential this year. And well, I think even two years ago, I i don't think I or well, anyone else for that matter could have predicted how fast 2017 was going to move for us. But um, speaking of the future, if we take a wider look at things, where do you see us headed if we just take the utmost best case scenario looking forward?
0: Yeah, I think we're getting close to the tipping point. The growth is is accelerating at such a rate because social media and, and all the great movies and books and things that are out there that are very accessible to people, the information is getting spread rapidly. And I think in our heart of hearts, there's no one out there that wants to cause animal suffering. I mean, that's sadistic if you do. it's There's no one that really wants that. And once you understand that there is a choice where that doesn't have to be part of your choice, it's a quick, easy, and empowered decision to do that. Um so I just want to keep setting good examples. we're I'm really excited to announce that we're partnering with uh, the Nashville Veg Fest folks, Glenn Brown over there to bring the very first hundred percent completely vegan bodybuilding competition to Florida next year. So, you know, whatever it is out there, let's go set some precedents. Do things that have never done before. Step over those boundaries where people say you can't do that or it's not been done or it's not profitable. Just break through those stereotypes and let's, let's keep making people go, wow, really? <laughs> you
1: know? Yeah. Just like you said at the beginning, walking through the store and having people walk up to you and ask, what are you doing? How come you're so happy? Why are you glowing? Nice.
0: <laughs> exactly. Let's that's, that's build of a, an army of influencers out there. And, you know, wear the shirts, talk to people, and spread the word. It's such an empowering thing to say. Hey, wait, do you realize if you choose this food instead of this food, you're helping animals, you're reducing suffering in this world, you're improving your health and reducing your risk for cancer and heart attack and stroke all by a simple choice. How easy is that? And that those choices are so much better today. The burgers, the pizzas, it's so easy to make the transition now compared to thirty three years ago when I was tofu out of water buckets at the health food store around the corner. I
1: mean, <laughs> um Yeah. Can can you imagine what's gonna happen in twenty years?
0: Oh my God. Is accelerating. And it's it's amazing to see Big companies, even the meat producing industry, is, is coming and buying up plant-based companies because they see that is the future. Not because they want to sell plants. It's because they want to sell what people are buying. And people are moving uh, the industry. I love that. It used to be the big food industry told us what to eat yeah, this is pretty, it's green, and it tastes good, and it's full of colors and artificial crap and chemicals, but so what? You'll like it. They told us what to eat. They put Wonder Bread in our our lunch baskets, and and now the consumers are saying, no, I don't want that. And there are entrepreneurs out there that are giving people a different choice, one that's animal-free, one that promotes health, one that's non-GMO, and the big businesses are taking notice and saying, wait, all the customers are moving over there, let's go out and get in front of the customers because that's the future. That's where the future dollars are going to go and they're going to get in front of those dollars because they want to stay in business. I love that.
1: Yeah, so do I. And I think that that's a pretty good point to wrap up on because the future is bright. And Jeff, thank you for doing your part in it. And thank you for sharing your story because that was a really educational talk that we had right now.
0: Well, thank you, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to share this with you guys. I love what your channel is doing—you uh, know, bringing attention to vegan entrepreneurs who are doing the right thing—and thank you for being that sounding board for uh, to bring that information to more and more people. Really appreciate
1: it. Yes, well, Jeff, thanks again for doing this, and I'm, I'm looking forward to the bodybuilding competition. I'd, I'd really like to share more info on that. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be competing too?
0: (laughs) I think I'm done competing for a little bit. My wife wants me to uh, spend a little bit more time at home, and I'm okay with that. But I can still be the best example out there to hopefully inspire other people and continue to sponsor vegan athletes so that more of them can participate and show the world what can be achieved on a natural vegan
1: diet. Yeah, for for anyone wanting to get in touch regarding that or or any of your products, um, where, where should they go?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You can check us out, uh, Clean Machine Online, on Facebook or on Instagram. And then you can check us out at www.cleanmachineonline.com for all the products and product information. We post all of the research. I'm a research geek, so I wanted to make that completely transparent. So you can take a look at the studies, see what was used in the studies and compare it directly to our labels and understand that these products are researched and backed by science. So we publish all of that. All of our labels are completely transparent um, uh, so that you can see everything that's in it and love to hear your feedback. And again, if there are any vegan businesses out there that are interested in uh, reselling us, we'll support you 100%. So it's all there. You can also uh, check us out at various VegFests. I'll be going on tour throughout VegFest throughout the country uh, with Fraser Bailey from Evolving Alpha and his wife, Lauren Bailey. Um, uh, great site too, if you want to check that out and, um, we'll be doing talks all over the country at VegFest and, uh, both here in Florida and states all across the country. So check us out and come out and, uh, try some samples, try some of that lean, clean green protein. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm sure people are itching to, to try it now. I, I know I would like to give it a try. <laughs> well, thanks again, Jeff. It was really nice talking to you.
0: Thank you, Jerry. Thank you for everything.
1: All right. Have an awesome day. You too. Okay. That was Jeff Palmer, the founder and, as you could hear, main evangelist of Clean Machine. If you want to get in touch with him about their products, wholesale or sponsorship opportunities, or if you wanted to learn more about anything that we mentioned in the interview or download the transcript. You'll find the complete show notes on the website if you go to com forward slash show forward slash episode 047. For any questions or comments about the podcast, your emails are always welcome at jerry at theplanbasedentrepreneur.com. And if you have a high impact growing vegan business or know someone who does, please get in touch as well. Uh, finally, I want to thank you for listening and supporting The Plan-Based Entrepreneur because our year 2017 was, well, it was better than anything I could have imagined when I started this podcast. And it was in a very big way because of you. So thank you for being here on this journey. Thank you for the impact you're making, whatever form it is. And I promise we'll keep working to bring you more of the same great content and inspiring interviews in 2018. I'll talk to you again soon. Until then, you know what to do. Stay awesome. And remember, the future is plant-based.